0: is a magical operation of maximum importance the initiation of a new aeon when it becomes necessary to utter a word the whole planet must be bathed in blood ah yes welcome to dead house whispers <laughs> Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Deadhouse Whispers, um, our weekly podcast where we talk about Deadhouse Sonata and all the great things about it. And for those of you who happen to be late on all this info about Deadhouse Sonata, Deadhouse Sonata is a spiritual successor to Legacy of Kane. It is a narrative action driven RPG in which you play the undead fighting the living. Um, Deadhouse Sonata uh, development is leading on PC and will support all major platforms. And uh, also today, our hosts are going to be Faceless Mike, as usual. And our special guest today is Golden Zan.
1: Hello, everyone. Hey, hey, welcome, Zan. (laughs) Thank you. We get get our first author, we'll call it, the first member of Apocalypse on, because I don't count. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh of course you can
1: so tell tell everyone you're so kind to say but we all know what's really happening oh look at that hey wyvern Tabor. hey bishop uh tell anyone that is listening who may be catching us later on on the podcast and whatnot uh who you are and what you do
2: okay so i'm golden zen i'm a long-time community member i've been uh watching the game for a really long time now uh ever since the first videos came up um I've been very active on the forum, making suggestions, uh, getting to know the people, and uh, right now I am a World Anvil curator for Deadhouse, which means that I'm the person who sees what people are submitting, their articles for World Anvil, and I curate them for approving and submitting them and putting them up on the site, and it's very good to be here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And today's topic, Nick,
0: is... Liches and money.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, there we go. We had to uh, do it. Yeah. We had to
0: do it. <laughs> um, so yes, today's topic is about uh, the lich because if you were around for the official, official uh deadhouse sonata stream, the uh of liches, the radio drama that for the classes for Deadhouse sonata premiered yesterday. Um and it's fantastic. The sound design is wonderful. I recommend wearing headphones when you listen to it. George Ledoux, the voice actor for Alaric Von Beller, does fantastic once again. And it's all about the Lich. It is legitimately the scariest one of these that I've heard so far. And the ending is just so perfectly Lovecraftian as well. It's just, it's so good. It's so good. Um, And yeah, the Liches are just a really interesting class. And then obviously we'll be talking about money and microtransactions and how that might play out as well.
1: Yeah, I I done that because... uh... It's been bantered about quite a bit. The topic comes up very frequently on the Discord of how this is going to be monetized. And I think Dennis has said it like any time he's asked, hey, Rep, he's asked about how you're going to do it. And he keeps reiterating on, look, there will be ethical monetization. So today we'll run through like, what does that look like? And what does that feel like? Because I put a post up on the on the forums about monetization. What way do you think it should go? What pe- way people are afraid it will go? Although I'm fairly confident in the plan ahead. So we okay. will start with uh, the liches, Urizan.
2: I was gonna ask, can we post yeah. links on the Twitch?
1: Oh, yeah, You'll be able to put that there. I've got your one up. Which one do you want to flog?
2: Here's the thread for the monetization. Discussion. Ah,
0: yes. Ah yes, I will get that. Oh, wonderful! Thank you, Zan. Thank you. Um, Yeah, like I know we talked about monetization before in I think uh, the previous episodes as well. Like we've touched on it, but it's something that that will always be like a stig a stigma. I think is the word I'm looking for um, within gaming communities, within you know Dead House, of course, within like just because you know when you hear free to play. Um, And you hear monetization, you automatically think um, they're going to charge for everything. It's going to be garbage. It's going to be, you know, Raid Shadow Legends. It's going to be something akin to Gearbox or whatever we were just talking about recently on the Discord. Um, It's stuff like that. It's not, there's not a good light to it. So how will Deadhouse make monetization good and how will they make it ethical? Because what exactly is ethical monetization? You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, like what? What do you guys? What do you guys think they could do with it? Because I have a million ideas.
1: Well, my my first one that I plugged, I <clears throat> I ran through a few ideas, basically opening and copying Warframe for a start. Because I think, okay, take the mechanics bit out, just on the customization options. Like there is an almost ad infinitum options in warframe between pallets slots uh like you know augmented pieces cosmetic armor pieces skins weapon skins pet skins other you know all things like that so when you got that and then the other one that hit me was um are either of you two familiar with elder scrolls online
0: yes I haven't played it, but I've watched you play it. Yeah. if that counts.
1: <laughs> well, like Elder Scrolls online, it's it's an MMO wrapped in a beautiful Bethesda skin. And one of the big things that makes money for them is player housing. So if you have different areas, in the game, like Riften, for example, you can buy like a large manor in Riften. Now you don't have to, it has absolutely no bearing on the game whatsoever. But what happens is there's a particular, you can see the manor behind this gate and you go through the gate. And if someone purchases it, you can you can go in through that gate. And it's kind of instanced away, but it's still present in the, in the landscape. But those things are really bloody expensive. Like, ridiculously so. I think I worked one out with something like 70 euros or 75 euros, whatever. But people buy them because they really want that. Like, if you're heavily invested in a game, and especially a free-to-play game, like, we're all familiar with Warframe. I can't imagine how much money people must spend on doing up their dojo, for example. Like, that's their own player housing for
2: Warframe. I think you said everything on housing. A long time ago, there was a game a Star Wars game, I think it was called Star Wars Galaxy. Yep. It had had many planets and allowed you to buy uh, land, uh, pieces of land and start building things over there. And uh, I'm not sure how monetization came into that thing, but I think that as far as housing is something optional, let's say a space to gather up with your friends uh, or something that if it has a connection to gameplay elements, all those gameplay elements are available to everyone. Then it's okay to monetize as much as you want on that thing uh i think the boundary of ethical monetization is when you start giving advantages to people because they paid that's the
1: question yeah
0: Yeah, and we we touched on that as well with the whole pay to win thing in episode Mm. one i think it was Mm -hmm. yeah Um, i remember And uh, it's here's something from Bishop. It's hard to make money sound good. Others will also think it's not fair because they may not have a means as they may not have money. That Mm. is true. And with that, it's hard to make money sound good comes the whole free to play thing. But it's also really difficult to make free to play sound good now because that's attached with money, 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 and all these other Mm. companies trying to just reach in and take, take, take.
1: That's, that's the funny bit. There's that weird line because you've got ethical monetization and predatory monetization. Now, I don't need to give examples of predatory monetization, literally open a phone. And look at like any mobile game, 90% of them are predatory. There's quite a few of them on PC, there's a few of them on consoles and all. But the other side to that is ethical. Like one of the most ethical ones I feel, gotcha, exactly, whatever, Timber. One of the most ethical I feel is an example like Fortnite Battle Royale. Like there is mountains of cash you can spend in that game, but absolutely none of it affects the game in any way, shape, or form. It is purely cosmetic in every sense of the word. You know? And then, yeah. Bishop, Bishop, there, my question Will DHS make a way to earn premium currency? I would hope different than the Warframe's economy. Okay. That...
0: So, how does the Warframe economy handle premium currency?
1: Do I take that, Sam?
2: I actually don't know that much how they do it. So, oh, so how, how it? How you're, it, you're
0: actually... a regular Warframe expert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what they do is like, so you buy Platinum, and that'll be yeah. the same as in Deadhouse, right? So you've got Platinum, and you basically pump up your little account with Platinum. Now, Platinum can be used, obviously, for cosmetics and stuff like that, but they also have the ability to like speed up. Like, if you're crafting something that could take three days, you can speed it up by spending X amount of platinum. But what you can also do is when there's rare drops and items, now Warframe handles things a little different, you don't get the items, you get a blueprint and you build the item. Now for certain special parts, like instead of a normal Warframe, if you're looking for like a primed part, which would be like a a more powerful limited version of these Warframes that you can get from drops, uh, you can sell the parts for platinum in the relays, relays just think of town <laughs> for anyone that's not familiar with Warfare, but relay is like a little space station thing. You can sell that on there for platinum so free-to-play players can actually earn platinum, the real in-game currency, without actually spending money. But then again, you end up with there's ways and that system can be gamed, abused, you know, it's mm-hmm. It's it's it sounds like a good idea, but I do feel there is probably things I'm not aware of that can be done to game the system.
0: Yeah, there's always something to, mm. to game the system. Even as hard as game as hard as developers try, there will always be a way to game your system. Mm. You know, I mean, just look at just look at GTA Online. So many oh, people. Oh god, so much so money. So many people. Yes. Um, Reb's what asking there. Yeah. They're go on. ahead. Go ahead. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, uh, what about as- aesthetical for characters that offer no buffs just pure uh, just pure aesthetic? Uh, yes. Yes, is the answer. That will yeah. be a thing for Dead House Sonata. Yeah. That's
1: that's what they have in Warframe, and I think they're gonna copy it. Well, that was again more of my suggestions. They have ephemera, which is like an aura that floats around your character. You can buy things like that. You can buy stances where your character stands slightly different and has a different movement set, like more regal or hunched over, like all like there's many different things, all purchasable. And in my eyes, that's how a free-to-play game should do it where you can have an almost unlimited level of customization but it being purely cosmetic because if they're worried about oh but no one will buy it. people will i've i've seen it in monster oh, Hunter. yeah monster I, spent Hunter has... bucks
0: in I spent 15 bucks in warframe just trying to get black and gold accents so i could you mm. know make like an <laughs> ish custom iron armor or whatever for my for my warframe character that's it you know like People will do it. I think if it's if it's clothes, if it's <laughs> if it's weapons and stuff, oh my God. Um, <laughs> then, um, God like it will, how many months after release will Jim Sterling make a video about um, the monetization model being evil? <laughs> well,
1: to be fair, he has been Fair with other games that do that are free to play yeah. and have somewhat monetization models. Jim, while I, I have a weird relationship in regards to like Jim Sterling, I do like what he says. I agree with a lot of his points. I just don't agree with him in quite a few other areas, but he is very much consumer focused and he does think of the player and the consumer first. So his his gripe is usually tearing into people throwing gacha and free to play models of microtransactions into $60 games you know
2: mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely. going back a little bit to bishop's mm-hmm. question to the second part uh will deadhouse specifically have a, a, a means to gain premium currency we don't have word on that specifically but i believe that they will make events that allow you to gain prizes in platinum or otherwise we already have on the official deadhouse stream um, we we sort people who comment on the on the, the stream itself and reward them with uh, founder specs and eventually there will be platinum. So there are already, already even before the game is launched, ways for you that you can uh, gain platinum itself. I'm sure that after the game releases there'll be competitions, tournaments, things like that will also allow you to gain platinum. Oh yeah. And yeah, uh, eventually eventually when the marketplace comes of user generated content. I know the part of it will be Will allow people to sell their content mm. for, real, for real money, but uh, I'm sure that you will probably be able to get platinum through that as well. Oh, yeah, there will. Most
1: games that have any type of store like that will usually have some way that you can earn the currency as well, just at a very, very reduced margin, or else that the items that you buy with the premium currency can actually be earned in game after quite a long grind. So it's basically, Mm -hmm. you know, time equals money, you
0: know? Yeah, so but how long does that grind have to go on for? Like how long is the grind in Warframe to earn? You know, what would be the equivalent of premium currency to get something? How long should the grind be in Deadhouse Sonata for people to get premium currency? Because like, I understand that there's going to be some grind to some things and people enjoy it. And that's part of the gameplay loop, et cetera, et cetera. But if I have to spend like 5,000 hours of my life and I barely see some sort of you know, income from it, uh, game like stat wise or, or money wise, like premium currency wise within that aspect, then it's not, you know, I, I feel like I'm wasting time. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So how would, how would, do you think that will work with dead house? Like if there's too much, there can't be too much of a grind and there can't be too little of a grind either to get rewards to get this premium currency, you know what I mean? If,
1: if it's even yeah. included at all, because that's yeah, still yeah. A kind of it's a, a, a toss up in the air. Maybe it isn't, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm
2: thinking there should be a few different kinds of items that you can get, items that you can get only through in-game effort, items that you can get from both in-game effort and uh, real, real money purchase and items that you can only get with, with purchases that you get with real money. Uh, so this creates a good, good levels of distinctions. Items that give you, uh, specifically, I'm talking about skins. Because if you're talking about items that you were going to use in your care to give you attribute bonuses and things like that, those should always only be attainable through in-game effort.
0: Agreed. Mm. Yeah.
2: I I
1: do think they should be like what you're saying there entirely separate. The item shop is a completely separate thing, Mm -hmm. a completely different beast altogether.
0: Yeah, but then on the let's let's uh, I guess I'll I'll be the devil's advocate here for for the whole Hmm. thing. Um, so let's reverse that coin and um, okay, let's say Deadhouse, or let's not say Deadhouse, let's say you know it's there's a free to play game. And the only way to um, acquire anything, regardless, period, is with real money. I'm talking about Gwent here. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> if you guys
0: have ever now, Gwent is fantastic. Um, if you guys like the Witcher universe, if you guys like you know card games, um, that kind of thing, the free-to-play version of Gwent is fan friggin' fantastic. You don't have to spend a dime. Um, however, if you do spend real money and buy card packs um, and everything like that, it's all a gamble. it's all rng randomization stuff, but there are those people who will drop hundreds and hundreds of dollars um, and get you know a billion different cards and a billion different card packs and then build like fantastic decks that you just can't beat against. period, hmm. you know what I mean and that's all real money. And as far as I know, as for the last time that I played Gwent anyway, there's no real way to, um, win in game stuff without grinding your butt off a billion hours, and it just doesn't feel worth it. So you spend that real money. That incentive is there to spend that real money, mm-hmm. um, and the bonuses that you get from spending that money is worth spending that money. So that's why most of it is spending money. That's a lot of spending money, <laughs> um, and it's just it's just how would that you know what I mean? Like like what if for Dead House. Obviously, I don't think it'll be this way. But what if for Deadhouse, the only real attainable <clears throat> things to do is for cool stuff or whatever is to spend real money or you're just grinding your butt up? And I guess that goes back to what I said earlier. Um, it's a fine... And then something from Uru TV here kind of caps everything off. It's a fine line to walk. It always sets off alarm bells when some items can be bought with both a real money premium currency, which is also grindable in game. And that's like the negative thing that I have for myself personally against like free to play games is because companies most of the most of the day now have it both ways. It's, you can win this flaming sword of fire by grinding your butt off a billion hours, or you can spend $10 and get the exact same flaming sword of fire. And we talked about that a little bit in a previous episode where it's like, it should only be a cosmetic item or whatever, and if you buy flaming sword <clears throat> of fire from the store, yeah. it's not as cool looking as it is winning it in game or something.
1: You know. That's true. Now, here's the other side. You said play devil's advocate. Let's yeah. flip it. From the game developer's point of view, how do you make money without hurting the player? Yeah, mm-hmm. which is really
0: difficult. <laughs> um, and that's through cosmetics. That's the only way I can really see it done. And done ethically, done done to where when people talk about Deadhouse, they're like, oh yeah, Dead House is free to play. <laughs> you know, It's got a lot of cosmetic stuff, but that's about it. You know, that's fine. I'm okay That's with what that. I'd,
1: I'd do that and add the Elder Scrolls bit as well. You know, with the housing. Yeah, like, definitely. Get every, I get, every every player, yeah, get every player to start off with like a basic crypt or whatever. Because in Elder Scrolls, you can get a free first house. It's literally a small empty room in a tavern. But technically, that's all you need. Especially if you just wanted to role play this idea of your character. Then you make the housing more expensive right and then like elder scrolls has varying degrees like you can get like small little cottages they're fairly cheap then bigger houses more expensive Then like huge manors and giant castles and all which are really expensive as i said up to the like 75 euros and stuff which is nuts but hey they get like they they don't it's a pay once and you're done and they're an online it's a it's an mmo like so they need to pay for the servers and stuff somehow constantly so I'm okay with that idea in regard like a $60 game. That's one thing. I don't like microtransactions, but if it's an online one and basically you can get the game almost for free half of the time, because there's always a sale on. So I don't mind it as much for an MMO style game. It's better than a subscription service, but they have that as well. We'll get yeah. back to that in a second. I don't yeah. like that idea. Either have it as subscription or not. I don't, but anyway, uh, then the other level up from the housing is guild housing. So you could put like the guild castle and stuff. And then that way, like I mentioned this in that post as well, I'll relink it there. Um, That opens the door for not only one player spending money, but the whole guild spending money on decorating and doing out the guild place. Maybe they want to stick a crafting table or a forge or whatever way it works out a vault a library you know all these handy little things that they don't need to go into the town hub to do that they can do from their hub
0: yeah i feel that let's let's use that for example because we know Deadhouse is going to have you know little hub areas that you can you know like like your own spaceship or from that you can pimp out and everything Mm -hmm. um let's let's say that going with the kind of Uh, a positive and negative. Um, You get a basic crypt or something in Dead House you can pimp out. Um, You can earn in-game. In-game, you can earn up to some really cool-looking stuff. But um, to get the really cool-looking stuff, you have to pay money for it. If you want you know, a golden throne or something within your little crypt, you have to pay real money for it. Otherwise, the throne you get from in-game from just grinding or whatever and using currency from in game to buy the throne isn't as cool looking as the golden throne that you can buy with real money. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. That's where the weird coin toss comes in because mm-hmm. there again there. Uh, but we also hear people argue over cosmetics can even be a predatory business model. There were stories about kids getting bullied because they had the default skins in Fortnite. That is true. And then you have the other side of the coin. Maybe this doesn't exist as a thing anymore, but I remember, uh, when World of Warcraft first introduced uh, their first like microtransaction cosmetics or stuff, there was a mount. And like you'd nearly at the beginning not want to use it in a town or city because people would look at you like, uh, you paid money for an in-game mount. Like you're a disgrace. <laughs> you know, so you're both sides of the coin, but like with the skins in Fortnite. I seen that I read up about that and I don't know how you negate those things because like, it's still a full game for free and they have to make money somewhere. So, yeah. you know, it's a real difficult situation. It,
0: it is. It's really tough. And from a developer standpoint, it's even more difficult because you have to make money somehow and it's free to play. And the only other way to make money is if you take away the free to play model and you just, you know go full on pay 20 or 30 dollars for the game and there you go and then you still have microtransactions on the inside um wyvern tamer golden thrones are so ostentatious though very true and to quote garrett it's a throne room how pretentious can you get
2: (laughs) (laughs) well i will want a golden throne in my room for sure oh i totally
0: want a golden throne in my in my room too um uh i'm not a developer
2: and i don't oh sorry to mention her
0: uh, oh yeah, uh, just sorry, real quick. Um, Rebecca, I would rather that that was in reverse. Those whom grind their butt off in game surely show more dedication and therefore should have the better looking cosmetics. That too. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you spend like a bajillion hours, you get the golden throne. If you buy a throne, it's, you know, like like a wooden one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, sorry, go ahead, Zan. You're not a developer. I was just going
2: to say, I'm not a developer, so I, I don't really have an answer for this. But I I believe, I really believe that if you want to make cosmetics successful in a game, all you have to do is make the game fun. If you yeah. if people love playing the game, they will want to spend money on it. They will want those things like such as housing. They will want animations. They will want everything. Uh, especially when people feel really intensely connected to the universe they're playing, they will want to role-play it. They will want to... Uh, feel a part of it and that's where they start making the most uh, the biggest investments in it. So uh, all you have to do is, is focus on making the game fun and everything else comes off naturally. But that house, Dead house is not only a matter of cosmetic items to sell. This is, is mainly the way that they've been describing their ways of getting of making money so far, the monetization ideas. but for those who don't know, The Apocalypse intends to add features to players to create content for Deadhouse and for its future expansions. So players could create skins, plots, stories, missions, different kinds of place, um, player controls, everything. Music, they, they intend to allow people to create these kinds of content and to eventually monetize them. And everything to get monetized like this, a portion of it goes for Apocalypse. And if the game is successful, Uh, the game will be successful. With the game being successful, uh, lots of people will come in and want to create their own stuff. And even people who don't actually like to play that much still like to produce content. Many people do that in many kinds of games. And there will be people coming from the outside also wanting to make their own stuff over here. And I I think this is is something very special that Dead House has that very few other games have. And Mm. uh, I'm very looking forward to seeing that happen.
0: Me too. I I couldn't, that was really, that was really good, Dan. I couldn't have said that any better. Um, That's true. That's the other thing I guess we have to like look into finally for this whole monetization thing is whenever community content happens and whenever the modding community gets their hands on this thing, um, it's going to blow up. I think it's going to be, you know, like the Skyrim thing, where there's just a bajillion mods for Skyrim and a million community content things for Skyrim, you know, it'll be the same for Dead House because like you already got the lore here and these characters and it's, and they've already gone through an internal reboot and everything is so rich right off the bat. It can only get richer from the community. It can only get richer down the line. So with all of that said, I think, I think monetization and community and all that stuff, it's going to be one of those fine balances, but I think it's going to be a fine balance, you know, like it'll all kind of work out, I believe. Personal. Oh,
1: definitely i i think what's going to happen is we're going to get to a situation where the game launches publicly forget founders packs forget yeah. forget all of this right the game launches out the gate publicly it's going to sharply spike in popularity and there, with that will come lots of praise but also lots of criticism mm-hmm Then it will die off a bit because, you know, flavor of the month situation, people move on to whatever is next and all like that. And then you'll see over the coming weeks and months a normalization. Once you get to that normalization, you will start seeing what should be regular influxes on the storefront for like microtransactions. So they will have people rolling out whatever the cosmetics are, maybe they do stuff every month, maybe every three months, maybe with every patch, maybe they like make a whole lot of stuff, but do like a weekly rotation or something. You will see cosmetics being bought in like the quantities in that regard. Because from my own personal experience, when I'm playing Warframe, after a while I start feeling guilty And need to buy platinum because I'm like, this is a really good game. I did like, you know, I would not feel bad about spending money on this. I'm going to spend like 20 bucks on platinum or some people's maybe 50 bucks or whatever. And they'll do that because they want to support the game. Once you have the platinum, that's in the stuff in the items shop sets going, "Mm, yeah, you know, I could pick up that armor set or I could pick up that ephemera. I could do this, that or the other. And that's where you get into the hook. You know, you get the, the veteran players that keep wanting to get the newer stuff and maybe a new sword or maybe there's a particular guild table for your guild hall or whatever comes out of it. You're like, I need to pick that up. I need to buy more platinum to get that, you know, and you will go down that route because there's people who will never buy out of the item shop. And then there is what you call the gambling equivalent of whales who will instantly just buy all the things. And then that's just the way it goes down. Like, you know, you can't account for either of those two, but it's the middle one that if you cater for them and keep them sweet, like players like myself and many others will have no problem dropping the money. If it doesn't directly affect gameplay, that being said, character slots, I don't think is considered directly affecting gameplay. That's like, you know, you were given X amount of character slots. If you want more, you have to buy them. It's a free-to-play game. That's perfectly acceptable. Uh, Slowing down crafting, I don't think, is grossly impacting gameplay unless the crafting is ridiculous. Like, if it's, like, again, slightly less than Warframe. Warframe brought it to the line of, like, taking the mick you know, of like being a joke, but they still keep it on that side because like three days, like "Mm, that's a bit of a while, but like less than that or around that would be acceptable. If I want to craft a sword and I have to wait a week, mm, that's affecting gameplay. But a day, a day or two, that's fine, like a day. Because if you think about it, like the people are like, oh, but that breaks immersion. Does it? Or maybe it adds to it. If you went to a blacksmith and ordered the sword, who I'm assuming that's going to be like the way the crafting system will work will be something like that. You have to commission it. It would take a few days for him to do it, even if he dropped everything and done it right then. So like that's acceptable. Or you can bribe him with a bit of plat to, you know, hurry it up. Like that is acceptable and in keeping with the world.
0: I wouldn't mind that. See, stuff like that. I I mean, uh, Dennis has said multiple times that the Warframe guys are right down the street. So who better to take ideas from, you know?
1: Yeah, because they've taken ideas from multiple other places, and they've tested mm-hmm. things that work, things that didn't work. Didn't they pull out a microtransaction before? They had one that like gave you like skins for your cat for like your uh, puppy or whatever, and they discovered that it basically turned into like a lotto, like a uh, what do you call them? You know the fruit machines, slot machine. Yeah, and that's basically yeah. and they noticed that there was a few people using it like a slot machine to get things like whoa, hold on and they ripped that straight out. These they didn't want to encourage that. It was it was turning into a gambling mechanic and they didn't want that at all.
2: Yeah, cuz that's never good ever. Speaking of the crafting system, we don't know anything about it yet. I honestly hope that if there is crafting, we won't really have to wait. I would rather have crafting be tied to quests or challenges that you have to go through. Something that is actually fun in doing instead of just waiting for things. Uh, I can definitely understand the reasoning behind it that you described of <clears throat> having a, a very long time to to prepare something and paying to speed it up. Uh, this reminds me a little bit too much about mobile games, though. Mobile hmm. games and social media games. Mm-hmm. Um, I say I support mostly a. Fun and engaging approach to any element, um, but I think your best argument was the one of the classes, really. Yeah, the amount of limited slot, uh, not sorry, not classes, uh, character slots. Um, I was always of the thinking that if there is a free-to-play game, I will not pay for anything in it. I used to think this way. Uh, until the point that I started say, uh, noticing that, I started thinking, I really want to support the people who made this because I, I really enjoy. It. I, I like the experience of playing this game. And then I said, okay, now now let me look for something cool that I wanna pay for in this game to show them that I like what they've done. And I like the way that you classify people to uh, the spenders, the players on that article, the thread you posted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be able to think of them like that. Oh, well, that's uh, <laughs> when, I, when I was doing out that,
1: uh, just for anyone that's listening, in case they can't go back into it. I started off this one. I was like, I had a few ideas for monetization. So here's some thoughts. So players will fall into one of four categories. OK, so you've got new players, people brand new to the game, veteran players end game or slash experienced players, people have been there for a long time, and whales. So new players are not usually the focus of direct monetization as they're rewarded as a means to make them invested in the game. So you don't want to introduce that just yet. So once players move into category two, veteran players, that's when they're open for monetization. So players in category three, which is the end game experience players, they're like category one. They're not really good for monetization purposes as they have collected everything or bought everything and completed most of the challenges in the game so with the new expansions when you bring up new patches or whether you bring out like complete new dungeons or a new game expansion or in this one to be like new houses and stuff like that you know that's when you kind of slide players into from category one and category three into either category two or four so category four is for those completionists or those who always either complete every goal in the game or feel compelled to have every item available to them so like whether it be pets whether it be cosmetic stuff and all like that (laughs) like that with calypso like you get that so like if you've got someone they start the game don't monetize at all they need to find out if they like the game or not you get them invested you bring them in with a good game good gameplay great gameplay loop good story so you reel them in that way because it's free because uh, and then they get invested then they become a more experienced player That's when they fall into number two, which is the veteran players. So they've been there a while they've completed the stories. They love the characters. They love the world. It's like, okay, now you can sell to them because it's like, okay, you've really enjoyed this. Now, do you want to pay for stuff? That's where you've got the cool cosmetics. Maybe you've joined a guild. You need a guild hall. Maybe you want to have player housing because you want to role play a bit. You know, you go that way. They're ripe for selling. Then after a long time, they moved into the other category three, which is end game. Or experience players so end game as we know is always fashion so like you're going to buy all the story <laughs> but like joking aside they will have done everything and they will have bought everything they need in the shop or that they feel like they want that's when new expansions come in which puts a new challenge more gameplay and extra item shop stuff that way they backslide into two being a veteran player or they'll end up jumping into category four if they have money if they're the kind of person that is no problem blowing a bit of like cash on a game so they instantly it's like i'm buying everything in the shop or they will like okay this is a new game there's new stuff there's new dungeons there's new challenges i'm going to complete all of them and then yeah they've given me quite a bit of stuff to enjoy so i'm going to buy a bit more platinum i'm going to invest and maybe get some this that or the other from the new items in the store you know So it's kind of looking at it that way. I know it seems a little corporatist, but at the end of the day, it's still a business. You know, can't do everything for free. So if you're getting the game for free, the least, like there has to be a certain level. But again, fine line, you know.
2: Yeah. I think perhaps a good way to put it is that there are different kinds of people Mm. and you, you can't really control that. And you should make it approachable so that all of them can make their own kinds of investments, whatever it is, What if it's time, if it's lots of money, if it is uh, a dedication outside of the game, uh, managing communities, whatever, you should make it possible for them. But whatever method you make available, it shouldn't undermine the core experience for anyone. Oh.
1: Definitely. It should, the the whole point of it, it should be an accessory to the core gameplay loop. It should not affect the core gameplay loop.
0: Mm. And with all of that money and all of that time, (laughs) usually comes a lot of power. And when it comes to power, one of the most probably powerful classes in Dead House, potentially, is a Mm -hmm. link. We'll see is a you lich. know what
1: team i'm still on
0: go <laughs> on <laughs> i'm totally on team vampire as well but after hearing the of lich's radio play oh man i think i'm i'm swaying, i'm waning towards team lich like a will-o-wisp being dragged to like become a battery for some evil creature um i am leaning towards lich and are oh you going to sway God. away from vampire to lich I might, man, that, oh, it's such a good radio play. It's so good. And the Lich, um, he's also one of the only classes or probably the only class, if I remember, who purposely uh, becomes what he is, an incredibly uh, power-hungry wizard or necromancer or whatever chooses to become a Lich. And, Mm. And like tears themselves and and does terrible terrible things to become a lich and it's 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 horrifying and amazing and it's almost like um it's like if you're a lich or if you're a wizard and you and you have reached that point where you want to become a lich you there's something inside of you that that has finally either must have broken or you've reached a, an incredible epiphany about something and the only way you can understand it is to become a lich you know to but to bind your soul or something to a phylactery
1: whatever the word is i just i just found that uh, the radio play i i really enjoyed it because like as i was saying before uh, like yesterday on on the official stream um it just took him so much by surprise it took mm-hmm. Alaric completely blindsided and Something happened and he has no idea. He doesn't know maybe there was information stolen from him. Maybe it's like kind of supernaturally bugged him. So now it can see everything he sees, you know, so many questions, so little answers.
0: Yes. And it's, uh, it's okay. So one of, one of my favorite parts, I think the thing that has swayed me towards possibly becoming a lich, um, is. In the radio play and uh, right here um, in the Of Lich's uh, text, um, the Lich calls to Alaric like he infects his mind almost and speaks into his mind telepathically um, and whispers to him, come, and controls him and grasps him. And then all he does is touches like his temples. And then that right there, that moment where... The Lich just touches Alaric like doing something and then is gone, it creeped me out. Was yeah, just, Alaric. What? Alaric had a what? split
1: had a split vision of being able to see through the eyes of the Lich. Yeah. So he could see through it. So he doesn't know could it see through him? And yeah. then it vanished, which means obviously he was out cold or dazed for God knows what amount of time mm-hmm. until he came to his senses again. So who knows what happened
2: it's yeah you mentioned calypso that the, the off was one of the most scariest chronicles so far and i agree with really you it
0: really was it really was
2: especially me, because it was. Eller, it, it was the only moment or at least in the stories we have so far that alry got frozen in place at any point in other the stories he had something that he could do even if it was just fleeing but not on off leeches he was completely frozen in place
0: yeah. It's, it's where, where you see in, if you, if you listen to the other radio plays, like Alric is kind of, you know, stupid <laughs> um, or it's like, it always ends up, he always ends up getting himself in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, oopsies, mm-hmm. I did it again or whatever. Um, you know, he loses his satchel and of vampires. Um, he lets a, he lets a wraith assassin get away in the wraiths. Um, a revenant, decimates his entire party or whatever in seconds and he can't really do anything about it if i recall um the banshee thing was a total screw up like he (laughs) keeps messing up but he always has a purpose you know he's always trying you know he's always um looking for information or whatever and of Liches, i think uh colden said it as well um in in of lich's it's he's just there he's just walking you know um there's no patrol he's just exploring or whatever or collecting herbs or whatever and then just stumbles across it there's no no nothing no research no nothing just there and he can't do anything about it he can't do anything he's frozen he could die at this very moment and maybe he does maybe he is dead you know what i mean maybe the lich possessed him maybe the lich is inside his body and that's why he, that's why he fears dreaming at the ending of the radio play it's very lovecraftian Um, He can't fall asleep. He doesn't want to dream. He's terrified. Um, Bishop, I mentioned something about maybe in his dreams is when he unwillingly transfers information. That is a great idea. That is a great idea. So what did the Lich really do? You know what I mean? Allure couldn't do anything. So what did the Lich do? And that's why Liches, like just from this instance, are probably not to be reckoned with. You know what I mean? Like I feel... If there were any undead class to take over Deadhouse or to usurp the king, the it would probably be probably be a lich, you know?
1: Oh, that's undoubtedly what's going on. There's definitely going to have to be some hold put on them because, like, as I said yesterday, herding cats and they aspire for power. They need power. That's the only reason they even exist in their current state. Plus, Alaric always seems to be reaching for his satchel. I was—I want to know what's in that bag.
0: <laughs> I do too. I do too. Like, what does he carry? Well, like, I would love uh, Zan. Zan, you'll probably end up doing this. Or um, someone might in the community where uh, go through all the radio plays and uh collect what's in his satchel like he says he says some stuff there's there's sometimes where he's like oh i have this in my satchel or i pulled that there's out some so shy, you know there's some, like weird molotov cocktail type stuff yeah like what uh what does he have that's it the only thing to stop a lich is their phylactery right which is usually locked up in some place <laughs> that they only know about because yeah, other yeah. than that they're immortal or there's nothing that can kill them as far as i know about lich myth and everything. Yeah, what, is, what
2: is a lich's weakness?
1: Mm-hmm. Come on, Zan, spill the beans. I know you've researched all of this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really have a straight answer on that, but I I imagine that yes, he has lots of ingredients that he can use to breathe, uh, to make potions. I'm sure he has a few bottles already concocted. Uh, we know he uses during the off-wraiths encounter. He uses a bottle mm. that produces all chemical fire uh, that somehow manages to affect the Wraith who is in an interior state at that time. They've so they already... the same
1: with the vampire as well.
2: That's right. That's right. Uh, he may have some silver. Silver he knows is already useful against the undead. Uh, he may have some kind of artifact that allows him to maybe search for where an undead is. You mentioned the phylactery. Finding the phylactery is important. Uh, maybe there is a way for him, like a radar that he can use to, to fight it. Of course, not that technological, but the equivalent in that medieval time. Yeah. All speculation, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Here's something interesting um, from reading the Lich lore. Uh, Through their extensive study of the occult and intimate knowledge of death, these elite spirit spellcasters can conjure and compel lesser and dead on the battlefield. So, is Alaric secretly dead? And he's just, doesn't know it yet. And is that why the Lich could command him so easily? Or is it just because the Lich is so powerful?
1: Oh no, I think it's the powerful bit. Oh, well, that would be a good theory. <laughs> cause like, I, I thought it was funny cause. In other situations, Alaric was either prepared. They were intentionally going out hunting for the vampire, the banshee. They they kind of they knew they were stepping into realms they didn't expect. They knew <laughs> there was something weird. They weren't prepared for it, but they knew something was going to happen. Uh, in the Revenant one, they were held up at a giant barracks and stuff. They're like they're doing that. This just blindsided them. I think this is the only time when they were completely blindsided because he was not expecting anything at all. And in regards to that, um, they, they're unbelievably powerful sorcerers even before they became a lich. Like you would need to ascend to the highest levels to even like entertain the thought of becoming a lich. I can't imagine what secrets they must be holding. So like they so said they can control lesser undead. Yeah, but that is even still ranks and ranks above humans and other mm-hmm. living creatures, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said. Uh, you said something in the stream yesterday, uh, Mike, where um, possibly that liches and a bunch of other undead might even be from the first age. Yeah. That this, the lich in the radio play in this chronicle um, and maybe even like other liches probably are so old. They are from the first age. They are before dead house. They are, mm. they are like, maybe even like the dawn of man kind of old within yeah. this universe. Um, and then they're, they've just become liches because they are that powerful.
1: The empire of man has risen and fallen many times in history. Mm. Who's to say they were from many ages past. Yeah. We don't yeah. know because you'll liches like banshee wraiths, these creatures, they're ageless. That was the point. Like liches mm-hmm. that transcend from mortal to lich means transcending the concept of time. Yeah. Time no longer becomes a factor in their existence. So, therefore, they might be a lich for six months. They might be a lich for 10 years. Could have been a lich for 3,000 years.
0: Yeah, and a 3,000-year-old lich, like, oh, man, that's... See, like, the, the the possibilities are endless with that much power, you know? And it just... It scares me. It really... It legitimately scares me. I'm not even kidding when I am saying I am scared. Like, liches scare me now. Liches legitimately scare <laughs> me. What they can do in-game, possibly. What they can do story-wise this whole Chronicle thing legitimately, I was scared. I am scared. It's, Oh man, it's frightening. It's really frightening. Like other creatures like the ghoul are, you know, more disgusting, um, on Mm. that kind of level. Um, the Wraith is just kind of depressing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I like the Wraith. I love the Wraith too, but like his story is just sad, you know, like how people become Wraiths. Mm. Like, uh, and then the liches is, it's just, it's like, um, not to, you know, make like the Sauron comparison with Lord of the Rings. Cause he, he wasn't a lich, but, um, imagine if a creature or a, a character like Sauron from Lord of the Rings became a lich, how nightmarish would that be? The dude w- was already like a terror upon middle earth forever. Um, now, just imagine he's an all-powerful lich who can't really die because his phylactery is somewhere and you don't know where it is and you have to find it. to defeat him. Some things
1: are too evil to die. Yeah. Well, he did have a phylactery, the ring.
2: Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. I think so, he, of the archetypes, he's actually the closest to a lich indeed. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sauron.
0: There we go. Sauron lich confirmed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I think that uh, Tolkien ins- got inspired he was kind of like an angel that turned into a demon yeah became yeah, yeah, the, like anal- that. the analog
1: mm-hmm. for satan yeah. lucifer right
2: yeah. right I in any case the, we're uh, talking about the, the leeches yeah. now but as a matter of fact every undead can live eternally really as far as that's we know. true that's true uh... Yeah, they, they can live uh, forever all,
0: if nobody kills them or brings them to true death anymore.
1: Anyway. Yeah, they've all passed beyond the threshold of mortality. So, like if we go through quick go through them all. Uh vampire, dead. Revenant, past dead, beyond dead. Mm-hmm. Wraith, it's a soul torn asunder. White, it's a soul brought back together. Banshee wasn't alive to begin with and lich as i said already beyond the realm of the living ghoul ghoul passed beyond the mortal threshold the minute it committed that sacred rite of uh, cannibalism
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. i just thought of something mm-hmm. um in the in the lore here for the lich it's um most liches Most, that's such a tough word to say. Um, Most liches put their vast knowledge to work as advisors or researchers, preferring to pursue in death what they did in life, the truth. So, what if um, during this chronicle, it wasn't a lich necessarily being, you know, doing some evil act on a lark? It was just curious, it was just a scientific person coming in contact with another scientific person. And he was just curious as to what a lark was doing and who a lark was. So he probed his brain kind of, um, to get some information because that's what he does. He's a, he's a truth seeker. He's an, he's an information gatherer, which is, you know, there's
1: an interesting one from Bishop out of all of them, the ghoul seems to be the one that might fade away if it doesn't feed. I don't think so. I think it needs to feed. It would probably feel pain the same way as a vampire would, but I don't think it would completely die. I think it would just lose its vitality state and revert to magical or essential. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: so, a good point. Everyone that has the tree states, or at least they can access them in some level.
1: Hate to reference this one, but oh, I'm opening this can of worms. All right, Soul Reaver. Uh, do you remember when you went into the spirit realm? There was those spirits that were basically like ghouls that fed on the souls of other undead.
0: Yeah, the, remember uh, the very bottom rung of the, or
1: the ladder, have. guys. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I imagine a ghoul would be. In the in the normal realm, it feeds on anything it can get its hands on, corpses, people, and all like that. If it doesn't and it loses that and ends up in the magical or the essential form it would be like that it would still be a voracious hungering force but it would feed on spirits magical essences whatever it will still just consume consume that would
0: that'd be such a you know i kind of hope they put that in there now mike i kind of hope that they throw in a if you're playing a ghoul um, and you, you know, go into like the, the spectral realm or whatever, would, whatever that this version of that would be, if there is gonna be one, um, that you have to consume the souls of, you know, the dead to get back into a physical form. But I think that's just calling too much to Soul Reaver. No, a I candidate. don't think
1: you'll go to a spiritual realm, but what I think is like, You'll pass into being from a physical creature into being like a ghost, yeah, of yourself, like you that. know, or something to that effect. You'll still exist in that world, but you'll perceive it differently. Yeah, not like transferring from one state to another, but in the trinary archetypes, your act- your state, not the world state, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you imagine you have your normal character in Vitality, then you lose it, you turn blue, ghost, magical, and then a little, yeah. like, will of the wisp essence, you know, something mm-hmm. along those lines, for example. I know they actually have that in, like, what the game's going to be, but I have no idea what it is at the moment. Yeah. Dennis
0: keeps teasing, but we'll find
1: out eventually. As
0: Dennis, as Dennis does. <laughs> um, I do love that little detail, uh, that little, I don't know if Jack did this on purpose or if I'm reading into it too much. But um, when Alaric uses the mirror to peek behind the tree, it's very Perseus Clash of the oh, Titans. Totally. Reduista, That's the first Reduista thing. Reduce the boss came to fight. Mind. That was the first thing oh, that came to yeah. mind when listening to that. I was like, sweet. I love it. Um, so
1: now the question I want to know is because we actually have a lich on as a guest, the way we have <laughs> Wiper Tamer as a white, Zan. Your background, why you picked this class, what it is for you, and how do you see it playing?
2: Okay, I I talked a little bit about this on the House on Earth Stream. Uh, What I really like about the Lich is precisely the fact that they're seeking truth. And I feel that this is something that I also do in real life. I search for truth no matter whether I like it or not. And the Liches are trying to find this concept of, of power essentially they do have the same desire uh, as as many other than that is to become more powerful uh and they do so in the form of of learning how everything interconnects to to everything uh what they call in the universe of malorum the truth uh that that also has some tie-ins to the names of things because in many legends in many religious texts uh, words have power names have power and everything have a true name. Every undead, as we know in the game, will have a true name. Uh, And and this also ties into some kind of gameplay mechanic that we don't know of as of yet. And uh, the leeches are probably the ones most concerned with this. Though, of course, this is a concept that will be explored with every class. The Negaztec, the king of the dead, speaks of the truth, uh, more so than any other character we've seen so far. And he's not even a lich, he's a revenant. Uh, a poet revenant, but a revenant nonetheless. And he's supposed to be hateful and spiteful and all that, but he, he seeks this concept just as much. And uh, I identify myself with this search. I really, what, what I like about the, the concept of the lich in Deadhouse House, even more so than this, is in most games, a lich is just a magician with some kind of necromantic feature to it. It can raise that. That's it. He's a Lich yeah. okay. Uh On this one, it already starts to come a little bit more deep when you talk about him using spirits as, as ordnance, as ammunition, as energy for whatever he's doing. That's already very cool. And I want to explore how they made him special. I want to do this with all classes, of course. But the, the Lich is, together with the vampire, one of the most cliches of the undead. And, mm. uh, I, I believe that that house is going to make it very special and I want to explore that.
1: Yeah. I do think it's going to go in a completely different way. Cause you are 100% right. Lich is one of those cliche characters, almost like vampire oh, in a video definitely, game. Definitely. You know, there's already such, it's always a very basic character with one minor tweak. Like vampire is always like, it is goth guy you know, goth Mm -hmm. dude with sword only instead of healing, he, you know drains blood, you know, but aside from that there's no difference, same with lich, it is you know, warlock, but it's dead, Mm -hmm. No, it's a necromancer, but it's also dead, you know, it's never like kind of anything like special, but like dead house I think has done that for every one of the classes so even what should be a basic class like vampire or lich it's completely different for right from out the gate, you know
0: yeah, I feel um, no no uh, no bad feelings towards Dungeons & Dragons, but I feel Dungeons & Dragons um, has sort of distilled the lich into a really, like, basic thing or basic character that, you know, it's obviously the first thing you think of when, when like, um, people who are, like, into fantasy and stuff think of liches. They either jump to Dungeons & Dragons or Diablo or something like that, you know, when they think of that kind of thing um and i think because how different Deadhouse is doing all these other classes i think how they're going to handle um liches is going to be really interesting to see because even dragon age origins in the dragon age series has done liches okay they have a phylactery thing um a couple of missions with phylacteries but it doesn't really go in depth to it like with this if we can go in depth maybe even like pick our own phylactery that's not just like a vial of blood or whatever would be cool as a gameplay mechanic for a lich also. And there just
1: you go back to back to monetization.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, many different options. Have a few base items in the game. So you can have like this item or that item or the other item. But let's say you have like just general artifact, which is like a sphere that it's got like some kind of steampunk element to it where it's kind of Str- mm-hmm. Strangely ornate with like cogs or kind of levers stuff and all like that. Yeah. uh Three thousand different skin possibilities, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. right there for just purely cosmetic. You and know? the
0: uh, the lich in the artwork um is carrying an hourglass. Who pointed it out? Was it you who pointed out the hourglass or Zan? Someone pointed out that the lich is holding wasn't an me. hourglass. Someone was Oh, well, someone maybe was, was pointing Someone maybe. pointed out in the chat. Someone pointed and, out that the, the lich is holding an hourglass. Is that the lich's phylactery within this artwork? I
1: okay. think that's another one of those uh, things that he's going to absorb a soul into, similar to a lantern. Mm, so it looks yeah, like an hourglass, yeah, I think, because he's ripping the soul out of that person right there. Yeah, like, that's oh, yeah, very clear. Yeah. It could be
2: a phylactery, it's true, but you think that a leech will want to keep his phylactery as far away from him as possible, so people wouldn't, you know, uh, mm-hmm. meet him and just oh, immediately know where he's... It he was Wyvern
1: Tamer that pointed
0: it out. Oh, thanks Wyvern ah, cool. Tamer. Um, yeah, like, that's true, that's true. The liches do want to keep their phylacteries far, far, far away
2: unless the phylactery being close to them somehow gives them an advantage. I've made in one of my fanfictions a character that actually uses his phylactery in place of his head. He just cut off his head and Whoa. put the phylactery there. And awesome. <laughs> Maybe the phylactery being close to them allows them to wield their power a little bit better. Maybe if the lich is more focused on the essential power. We don't really know how that will work in the game, but that's a possibility and that'll be something cool to explore too. Yeah, maybe that's the fair.
1: the intensity of their power like grows or shrinks based on proximity to a phylactery.
0: Yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah. Um, or
1: something to that effect.
0: That'd be an interesting mechanic to
1: explore. Wyvern Tamer is asking what fanfic was that, Sam?
2: That was the character Sardoc, which was one of the first ones I made. Uh, I just mentioned him in passing on the, the, on the very one that I've submitted to the World Anvil site, the binding. Hmm.
1: And is that still up on the forum somewhere?
2: Oh yeah, we can.
1: I I can look it up. The, the link. Yep. If you feel free to drop links in the chat.
2: Yep.
0: Feel free. <laughs> um. And also for uh, everyone uh, listening on our Spotify, um. Once again, please go to DeadhouseSonata.com and check out all these things for yourselves. I should mention that Deadhouse is spelled like Ba House, that '80s band. H A U S, not H O U S E um mm-hmm. to uh, save confusion but um the lich in this artwork for our listeners um picture you know the outline of like Sauron's helmet from Lord of the Rings but it's almost like his skull and it's like fused to his face or it is his face um he's got black like billowing robes almost no legs like his robes have like dissolved and they are just the robes um thin like armor his armor looks like it's fused to his skin there's a person screaming in agony and you can physically see their soul being ripped from their body um it's fantastic beautiful armor. it's
1: sauron Arthas as the lich king and skeletor all mixed into one yeah but better (laughs) way better (laughs) but better it's got that whole like fantasy that high that not fantasy that's the wrong word you know those old what's the artist called that used to do the old album covers and book covers
0: uh frank franzetta
1: yes that's it
0: the conan guy right yeah
1: it's almost franzetta style to it but kind of in a more done in a more contemporary version because franzetta is very much like of at that period of like the conan the pre kind of the pre-iron age type look to things Whereas this is very much down the, like the only way Dennis described it is the most accurate at uh, grim dark.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? very grim dark. Uh, please, everyone, go read Solomon Kane. go read the Conan stories. You'll love those. Um, yes, like it's vi- visually, uh, I think glitches are going to look amazing in game, period. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with however they're going to look. Um, gameplay wise, it's going to be another story because obviously, uh, we don't really know how it's going to play out, but, um, stat wise, they are, you know, really strong in mana and they're very weak in vitality and essence, which is the physical and essential trees. So it's going to wonder, it's going to be interesting to see how they balance gameplay wise, both the physical and the essential, um, I have a
1: feeling that uh, Lich is going to fall under that. um, They're probably going to be distance casters. Now I could be completely wrong, but that's my theory. The other side being their vitality is low, but I don't think it matters if they exist in a physical state or not. They can just be in the magical state. So what you're seeing could be some type of spectral projection. Yeah,
0: that'd be cool. That'd be cool too. Oh man, yeah, it's just it's it's really interesting. It's really interesting how how it's going to work
2: out. Um, the class yeah. description mentions that leeches can reconstitute their bodies once they are in deteriorate state to come back to the physical state. When you were mentioning the raves in Soul River, uh, the mm. vampires, the undead vampires, uh, sorry, the undead vampires, <laughs> the spectral <laughs> vampires sucking souls yeah. and all that, uh, trying to come back to the physical world. I wonder what every class, how every I, I can easily imagine a undead being destroyed, having its body destroyed, and and its spirit just going out and turning into a mist or something like that. But the other way around is a little bit weird to imagine a spirit uh, materializing into a body. Uh, even though the leachers are the only one who mentioned that being a possibility, that that's something I. I'll be to grossly
1: see. disappointed if it doesn't look like halfway through Hellraiser one.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like Frank, like you look like Frank yeah. just reassembling or something. It starts, it starts
1: off with the blood pooling and then like the brain kind of comes out of it. And then the bones start forming from goo, like oh, layering over each other and stuff. That's God. beautifully done. It's yeah. a gross, morbid scene. I, I've first,
0: I finally watched Hellraiser a couple of weeks ago and I have tried to watch that movie multiple times and can never get through it. I finally watched it with a friend and I made it all the way through. I don't do horror movies, really. That th- Hellraiser is disgusting. <laughs> the oh, wait, did we see two and three and intro, four? The intro with Frank reassembling his body is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. And it's, it's glorious and it's amazing. And it, w- I wanted to throw up. Like well, there's a, there's a beautiful, beautiful.
1: there's beautiful scenes later on when you see Cenobites getting created yeah oh, that geez. is uh that's kind of special although yeah. that's just like in the later movies that's just kind of flexing uh practical effects for the mm-hmm. time that's yeah. just i'm showing look how gross we can be you know yeah,
0: <laughs> i think i think um i think i, I said this in a in a stream and one of our previous streams i think um the gameplay, I know, it, I know it's going to be like close or similar to Warframe. That's what I speculate. That's going to be only without I mean, the ju- like, the
1: crazy bullet yeah, jumping. Yeah, so.
0: only without the crazy bullet jumping. I think it's going to be like emo Warframe, right? Don't say emo. Goth Warframe. goth Warframe. Goth Warframe. Sorry, Goth Warframe. Gameplay wise, also, I think everyone should maybe go back and play and one, because I think it's going to play something really similar to that. I've noticed with a lot of these art directions. And the lore and stuff, Dennis is really, you know, going back in the day and pulling a lot of stuff from Blood Omen and Eternal Darkness and everything like that, and kind of just bringing it to the modern day. That's what he wants to do, right? So sure, why not seen that
1: with the uh, with the states? Remember a narrative reveal? I think it was before Christmas yeah. where they showed like the spheres, and it mm-hmm. very much had a harken back to Blood Omen.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think he's like, why wouldn't you want to just recreate gameplay that worked so well back then for the modern day, you know, um, in Blood Omen, uh, Kane like Dennis, it's funny. Dennis has been using this trinary archetype system for a long time. It's just been cleverly covered up, um, in Blood Omen. It's there, front and center right in our faces. Um, and it's all accessible, uh, constantly you're constantly, you constantly have access to it when you cast spells and magics like the, the lightning bolt spell or the light spell or whatever in, uh, in blood omen, you're pulling from your, um, magic tree or sorry, what is it in dead house? Uh, in your mana, in your ethereal or your mana state, right? You're pulling from it. You're using your mana when you're slashing with swords and getting hit by swords, that's your physical state. And then when you use artifacts, um, uh and stuff like that that's your um essential state within blood omen one yeah it's there in blood omen one it's just cleverly covered up um and uh and there's no like there's no bars to represent it except for the health which is your blood vial and the mana which is your rune magic um that's it and uh the essentials are you know it's it's numbers or whatever but uh if you notice if you notice this unless i'm going crazy if you go back and every time every single time you use an artifact. Within Bloodhound, whether it's like the tarot deck of doom or um, the slow time spell, there's a green aura that surrounds Cain when he uses an artifact. How perceptive. Yeah. Unless, like, I swear, I'm going to go back and look at my old gameplay footage now, um, if it's there. But yeah, there's Didn't a green Dennis aura Didn't Dennis hint at that he Kane. says they were bringing tarot cards into that? Oh, yeah. If, if there's not an evil tarot, um, then I'll be sad.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, there will be many Volteros, and this is definitely very closely tied to the skill system that they're going to be revealing on the next week. So, <laughs> yes, That's for it. everyone, you all need to check that out. Dennis
1: will be on the official Deadhouse stream next Wednesday, St. Patrick's Day. You really need to see it.
0: Yes, and uh, with that, I think it's time to start wrapping up and saying goodbye, everybody. Um, so don't forget to uh, check out deadhousesonata.com for all of your wonderful deadhouse goodness. You can follow uh, Faceless Mike on Twitch, uh, Instagram, and Twitter at The Faceless Mike for Twitch. It's Twitch TV, Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash The Faceless Mike. You can follow me, Calypso, um at twitch twitch.tv slash calypso694 i'm also on twitter at necrolibriatus and instagram at necrolibriatus um i still can't pronounce it correctly (laughs)
1: glad you said it it's necrolibriatus although the current one not calypso but the lore book zan isn't it it's the necrolibriatus like zan you say it you know how to do it right
2: (laughs) yeah necrolibriatus Uh, There we go.
1: That's
0: it. Um, And you can follow Golden Zan. He's been a fantastic guest um, at uh, Golden underscore Zan on Twitter. Um, And don't forget, once again, finally, the uh, Dead House stream for next week on Wednesday, St. Patrick's Day. It's going to be our skill tree reveal um, and hints and stuff like towards that. So that'll be really interesting.
1: And um, then after that, on the the Deadhouse Whispers one, we will be dissecting the ever-loving heck out of all the information given. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. It's <laughs> going be, to be a good one for that. So uh, stick with us for that. And uh, thank you for listening and watching on our Spotify and everything, guys. And thank you for watching on Restream and this Twitch stream and everything like that. It's been great. We are on Spotify now, um, Dead House Whispers on yep. Spotify. Just Google it. You'll find it. Trust me. We are Maybe on YouTube, on at.
1: Spotify, and we will be almost everywhere. Or if not, we will fix that. <laughs> yeah.
0: We're getting there. We're getting there, folks. All right, so, yes. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for watching. And uh, fight the living, everybody.
2: Fight the living. Thank you for coming. Search for the truth and fight the living. See you. See ya. See ya. Bye-bye.